This is ContraZoom, a live in limbo production. This is ContraZoom. Where we go back and forth about film. I am Dakota Arsenault. And I am Andreas Fabulakis. And we are back with our second part of our Oscar extravaganza. Uh, Originally, this was going to be one big old thing, but uh, due to some technical difficulties, we are now splitting it up into two. Not to point any fingers or anything, but it's totally my fault. Once again, we are joined by the very intelligent Dasha Pergadova, who is a friend of the show and uh, amateur film buff. I'll call you that. Is that a good title? I'll take it. I'll take it. Amateur film buff. How are you doing tonight, Dasha? Doing well, guys. Doing well. Now, in the first part, we uh, had our little uh, trivia contest, and then we started... Going over some of the bigger categories, we uh, we went through best animated feature and best cinematography. Uh, so, what say you? We get right into this, Andreas. You uh, you take it over. Sounds good to me. You know, this kind of a podcast is only you know it, it's written in the stars so much so that it's you know it's something that has to be adapted for for all the for all the listeners. Basically, it's adapted screenplay. I had no better segue than that. But let's get right into. <laughs> That was a terrible segue. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you're not a real script writer. Let's let's uh let's cut this. Go to go to part three. Um this is it. Anyways. Um Adaptive Screenplay, which I think is quite an essential category. Let's go right into it. We have a lot of great nominees. We have in no particular order. Carol, The Big Short, Brooklyn, The Martian, and Room. To take this out of my hands after that awful beginning, uh, Dakota, let's start right off again, which uh, to brand new listeners, basically the format is uh, we're going to pick our predictions on who will win, and we'll also say who we would like to win, which isn't always the same answer, and we'll briefly talk about the other nominees. So Dakota, take us away. This, I think, is a, is a really stacked category this year, I think. Uh, Brooklyn works as great as it does because of the lead performance by Saoirse Ronan, but also because the script is infinitely likable. Uh, so I'm really glad it's nominated here. It's That's a movie that I, I shockingly liked a lot more than I thought I would. Um, and then, you know, you've got The Martian and Carol and Room, which are all fairly solid, but uh, I'm, I'm all aboard the, the big short train, hype train. Uh, I loved how funny it was. I loved how they took really complex financial information and made it somewhat easily digestible. And then, you know, you get so amped up and then you realize you're rooting for the bad guys to sort of win. And that if these guys succeed, they're basically screwing over the whole world sort of thing. Uh, And then they sort of realize it at the same time. And it's a real gut punch. So uh, I, I definitely want and think The Big Short will win, just because I, I think it's just head and shoulders above everyone else in this category. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of The Big Short, so I'm, I'm going to be talking about that one lots tonight. Sounds good to me. Um, I think this is going to be quite a mutual category. Um, but what say you, Dasha? Are you that big on The Big Short, or does it fall short? 
I heard the little pun that you just threw in there. I, uh... Was it better than the stars thing? I certainly hope so. Please forgive me. <laughs> um, I am big on the big short. Uh, I don't know if I'm, you know, I would go out with a big sign because I think that's Dakota has, you know, established himself as the guy who's doing that for the big short. But I, I did really enjoy the movie. And I think as far as adapted screenplay goes, I think, um, you know, it could have, it, it takes a subject matter that, and arguably I haven't read the book and I'm actually extremely excited to. Um, the film completely inspired me to go and read the novel. Um, but I think it takes a subject matter that could have been made um, too one way or another way, you know, too financial, too, uh, too predictable in terms of, you know, the rise and fall or the storyline, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it does it does it in such a unique way with really unexpected twists and turns. I think Dakota, I'm not sure if um, this part got cut off, but you reference at one point, you know, how they take celebrities and sort of have them uh, explain complicated financial concepts and things like that. So it has these inventive ways of touching on things that could have not been what they were otherwise. So I definitely think, you know, it's, it seems to be the predicted winner all around. And I agree with that. I also really really loved the screenplay for room uh, for by emma donahue i thought that again it it did some of those things as well and arguably i think it worked within a narrower scope um and it had to be it had to really balance between you know when you don't have sort of consistently changing scenery to work with you really have to balance between not in not putting too many, too many words in, uh, to try to explain what's going on or to try to fill the space, if you will. And I think the screenplay did that in an amazing way, balanced the need for sort of our own interpretation and quiet with, um, some amazing dialogue and some amazing emotion. So I, I really do. Th and, you know, I'll, as the female in this group, I will throw some love to Emma Donahue as being the female nominee as well. So that to me would, um, I think she also deserves, you know, if not the win, then a very, very close second. Yeah, I, I read Room after I saw the film, and Emma Donahue's book is sensational. But I also love, and this is also what I think is important with the adapted screenplay, I love how well it transitioned into the, into the actual film, because um, some parts, like let's say the part where the power gets cut off in, in the room, per se, gets, uh, and everybody within it gets cold and they don't know how long it's going to last for um in the film it doesn't last too long it gets that briefly over with but in the book it lasts for days from what i remember so oh. there are a lot of nice transitions that um and a lot of nice changes that greatly turn this into the film that it is and not kind of too reliant on its source material while taking enough to stay true to the book but i'm gonna go with everybody else and say the big short with its inventive storytelling it's dumbing down of a difficult concept and it's terrific dialogue is going to take the win. Um, just noteworthy that uh, the beautiful dialogue in the Martian isn't getting any love here, such as quotable lines like I will science the shit out of this, but what can you do? <laughs> uh, oh, it is genius. I, it deserved that nomination. Anyways, uh, speaking of screenplays, we might as well jump right into um, its sister or brother category, so to speak. The original screenplay. Now, this is also just as noteworthy. So, again, let's get right to it. We've got an excellent group 
uh, of nominees here. Ex Machina, Inside Out, Straight Outta Compton, Spotlight, and Bridge of Spies. Dasha, we're going to start off with you. What do you think? Uh, I don't know how I, uh, I, I can. I don't remember. Maybe you guys will. I don't know how I confidently made a prediction on this one last time because thinking about it again, and maybe it's just because I've let you guys get into my head and I'm doubting myself, but I'm not as confident in my uh, in my choices this time around. Uh, I think by process of elimination, um, I would eliminate straight out of Compton and likely bridge of spies. Although I know that Joel and Ethan Cohen are getting, there is conversation around them happening just in recent days. I don't know if you guys have picked up on that in terms of this, the screenplay specifically, Hmm. I think in terms of just um, my personal love for movies, this um, sort of this season, if you will, I thought that ex machina and inside out were both absolutely phenomenal. I think inside out, does something with I think we talked about this you know a subject matter that's arguably hard to write about in an original incentive way uh inventive way because of the fact that it's something everybody wants to talk about and tries to talk about but doesn't really I don't know if anybody ever feels completely confident in talking about it and does that really well but I think that Spotlight will ultimately um I'm so tempted to pun here, Andreas. I'm tempted to be that. Go I'm tempted it. to say it's going to be in the spotlight. <laughs> ah, there um, you go. There we go. I had to do it. Um, but I think that in terms of screenplay, Spotlight might, uh, might, might take it here with uh, Tom McCarthy and John Singer, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that is because it is not only inventive as far as a journalistic drama goes, but it just, um, it took a story and it created almost a, um, it created a different story while telling the same story. If, if I can say that, if that makes any sense, it might be a little bit, uh, philosophical, but that's how I felt. You know, I felt like I may have known what happened. You know, I was, I obviously read a few, uh, a few news articles once the movie was coming out out of curiosity, but I never felt like that while I was watching it. I, d- I didn't know what they were going to do with it. And I was always intrigued throughout. So um, I, Spotlight would be my choice for this category. Yeah, Spotlight, and it's going to get a lot of love for me later as well, if not the, the whole group here. Spotlight was sensational and one of my favorite films of the year for many reasons, but largely because of its storytelling and its use of dialogue. It felt very realistic, but I felt like it felt witty, but a real wit. Like mm-hmm. these are things people could actually come up with. If you watch a Tarantino film, or you know, even Bridge of, or not Bridge of Spies, um, The Big Short, rather, you hear the dialogue and you think, "Wow, I wish I could come up with that." But with something like Spotlight, you can see that these are bright people, and whatever they're saying is still poignant, but it seems realistic, and it doesn't seem like script. And the the evolution of the entire story is at such a perfect pace and with such great evolution and the whole thing is just done so perfectly well so i'm gonna go with spotlight as what i want to win and what i think will win i think sadly it's gonna be the only award it's gonna win which i'm very gutted about but it's better than nothing you know the original screenplay is still 
is still big. I'll give some love to um, Ex Machina and Inside Out for taking two fantastical, fantastical concepts and different worlds or takes on our world with a sense of minimalism and greatly exploring it in depth. So both films, bravo, with, with really enchanting us. Straight out of Compton, loved it until the end. Uh, the end was a little bit too conventional and or sudden. I think they could have done a little bit more and a little bit less at the same time. Bridge of Spies started and ended great for me, dragged out in the middle. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm not thinking too highly of those for this category. It's basically going to be Spotlight. Dakota, do you feel the same way? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ex Machina is one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, I, I'm That's another one I'm going to give tons of love to whenever I can. Uh, and I agree with what you were saying, Dash, about Inside Out. And frankly, I, I would be extremely happy if that ended up winning because no animated film has ever won that award before. Uh, a screenplay award, so I think it would be very deserving and very fitting if that's the one that goes uh, to be the first to do it. But um, the, the screenplay for Spotlight, it's it's really hard to go against it. Uh, so Ex Machina is my want, but I I truly think Spotlight will win. To sort of continue on what both of you were saying, it, it has a lot in common with a movie like All the President's Men, which is sort of lauded as being... Uh, grounded and realistic as far as journalistic sensibilities go. But, you know, you look back and there's still quite a bit of um, uh, put-on-ness to, to the script, to the dialogue, to the, to the structure of it. And Spotlight sort of strips all those things away and makes it very bare-bones of what they were trying to achieve. And no one is bigger than anyone else. Like, <clears throat> you could talk about Mark Ruffalo's character being the biggest one, but really, that doesn't mean he plays a more important role than the one that Leah Schreiber plays, or the one that Michael Keaton plays, or Rachel McAdams, or even some of the, the smaller characters. They're all just so integral to the way that story is told that it's, it's really quite masterful. Speaking of this cohesive cast, sadly, with such a big cast in... And spotlight a few people had to get some love with the academy so i think that's a good way to go into um the next category especially because it goes right into the person i would like to win but <laughs> will he actually here's the supporting actor category we have mark ruffalo as i was just mentioning for spotlight we have sylvester stallone for creed mark rylance for bridge of spies tom hardy in the revenant and Christian Bale in The Big Short. I will quickly start this one off and immediately say what we were saying in the last episode. As great as Christian Bale was, you know, it's probably very difficult to be able to move your eyes independently like that to make it look like one of them's uh, uh, glass <laughs> eye. Seriously, that that's, that's incredible. But nonetheless, I wish it was Carell who got nominated because I thought he really was the strongest character in the film strictly from his performance so well that's okay i'm still at least glad to see christian bale being nominated because there was a time when he wasn't let's not forget um tom hardy and the revenant uh i will leave that for you two to talk about because i know you have you have a lot of big words i still thought he was solid mark rylance was probably one of my favorite things with bridge of spies a nice poignant classy yet humorous performance um but the two heavyweights here um so to speak are Mark Ruffalo and Sylvester Stallone. 
Ruffalo is the best I've ever seen him. He is powerful, yet again, as we've said a lot with Spotlight, very realistic. He really is a journalist with the way he has all of these nervous tics, his, his paranoia, his enthusiasm, his passion. He's just this big geek, but one with a lot of smarts behind him and a lot of drive. He truly is a journalist, and I believed every second of what he was doing, whether he was being dramatic or whether he was just trying to get the scoop. But I think the word's going to go to Sylvester Stallone, and I never thought I would say this, but I think it's actually kind of a good thing that he will get it. You know, um, I know, Dakota, you had a lot to say last time about Sylvester Stallone, so I'll briefly go to why I think it's, it's fine that he wins. It's a different side of a performance we've seen before. It's Rocky knowing that he is old and knowing that he is breaking down. And it was done very tastefully and with a lot of deep emotions as opposed to exaggerated expressions or yelling or anything. A lot of it came from the heart, which from a veteran actor like Sylvester Stallone, it really hits you. Dakota, why don't you go into the rest of it? Because you put it so eloquently last time. Uh, I, I just really liked about Stallone's performance, the fact that you are taking this character who is this macho man, who is the embodiment of a fighter who has been for the longest time, <coughs> and then literally, uh, was killing him off. Um, they, it sort of stripped away a whole lot of the pretenses that you might have about someone like Stallone or the, the Rocky character and forcing him to, to not act with his strength is really taking away a tool. And he sort of came, he, he came ready to do that and, and made himself, um, look weak even though his muscles were still there everything about him was weak except for his physical appearance which is a sort of a hard thing to do especially when it's so easy to be dismissive of stallone's career um and, and the rocky franchise and things like that but a lot of credit for that has to go to the director ryan coogler who also wrote it um, as far as the, like the other nominees, um, Mark Ruffalo is, is my favorite. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. He has the, <coughs> sorry, he has the typical sort of Oscar moment scene when, you know, he has that big yelling moment, but he, he does it well. Otherwise in a very quiet movie, I, I agree about Christian Bale. I wish it was Steve Carell that was nominated. I think that's a far stronger performance by Carell than, Foxcatcher was last year sort of giving us a, a multifaceted view of his pathos and his shortcomings while still being over the top and ridiculous and funny and all of these sort of things. Uh, Tom Hardy, I thought, was better than Leonardo DiCaprio, um, which I know to some people probably sounds like heresy, but um, I really I really liked what he was doing. He had... He had more layers to his performance than Leo did. Leo's was, I'm cold, I need to survive. Those are really, like, re revenge. Those are really the only things that he was doing. Whereas Tom Hardy had some other layers about, you know, making these tough choices and things like that that I, I resonated with a bit more. I thought he was really strong. Mark Rylance is not going to get the due credit enough that I think he deserves. That was a very quiet, still performance uh, with some great, 
comic relief at times over such small little moments, um, which I think comes from his years of being a, one of the best theater actors coming out of England. Uh, I, so basically, to summarize that mishmash of whatever I just said, uh, I, I want Mark Ruffalo to win, but at the same time, I want Stallone to win and think he deserves to win. Sounds good to me. Dasha, do you have any additional points you'd like to add? Um, yeah, I do. It's really interesting listening to you guys because I actually, like, t- I have sort of personal heavy hitters in the category, which are Tom Hardy and Mark Rylance. And I, you know, I, I, admittedly, I think it's because I'm witnessing what I think for Sylvester Stallone is sort of a replay of the Mickey Rourke in... I guess it was, was it 2009 or eight? 2008. 2008 for the wrestler, you know, for his nomination and everybody sort of standing up and applauding. Cause obviously the guy had been through some seriously hard times and uh, it really felt like, you know, he was not only telling the story of um, that character, but also kind of of himself. And I, I feel like we're having another one of those moments and I'm not trying to discredit Sylvester Stallone's performance. I think, you know, and I really do trust your guys' judgment as well and how you describe it very eloquently. But um, but I think I'm more partial to Tom Hardy and Mark Rylance because arguably their situation is much less likable in both of the stories of The Revenant and Bridge of Spies. And I think what they do with those characters, I mean, Tom Hardy has a bit more wiggle room in terms of the drama that he can bring to that performance and the rise and fall of his character with Mark Rylance. I mean, he really has to find a way for us to like and dislike him within a very sort of plateau, like, you know, graph of what he can say and do. And so I don't know. I just thought the, how understated Mark Rylance was and how Tom Hardy worked sort of against all odds to bring that incredible performance to that movie. And in a lot, in a lot of ways, I think, you know, he carried, if not at least worked on an even keel alongside Leo for the power of that film. I, I am really partial to those guys. And I, you know, I'm scared to say that Sylvester just so woven because, you know, I obviously read, I read the predictions and I read the blogs and all that. And I hear you two um, experts, but, um, but I really, really wanted to go to Tom Hardy. I really do. What I will say is I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Hardy ends up winning one day or gets nominated again. I doubt this is the last of it. I just, it's a shame that he's only being nominated now, but he, his career is still pretty young. Fair enough. Now, speaking of young careers, one of the front runners we predicted last time for the next category, let's see how we still feel about it this time around. We have the Best Supporting Actress category. Now, we have some veteran actors this year, veteran nominees, and some new faces who might actually potentially win. Let's get to it. We have veteran actress Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. We have newcomer to the Academy, Jennifer Jason Lee for The Hateful Eight. We have brand new actress from out of nowhere, Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl. Oscar darling Rooney Mara for Carol. And fellow Canadian Rachel McAdams for Spotlight. Dakota, what do you think? Because this is probably one of the most debatable categories we've had throughout the entire Oscar season. The name in that golden ticket has changed so much. 
It has, you know, it started out seemingly like uh, Rooney Mara was was going to be a part of a, a tandem win with Kate Blanchett, but now I have no idea because Carol has really fallen off. Uh, and then it seemed like Jeff or Jason Lee, uh, really ugly, brutal, beat up performance was, uh, was the next in line. And, and then she sort of seemed to lose some steam. And then it seemed like it, now it's kind of come down to Kate Winslet and Alicia Vikander. Um, it sort of depends on what it looks like. I, I really want Alicia Vikander to win probably, but I, I want her to win for Ex Machina, uh, which she was not nominated for. So I think if they give it to her for, for the Danish girl, it will sort of be a double win sort of being like, you had a great year overall, here's your Oscar for both of your movies. It just so happens to say the Danish girl on it. Um, Rachel McAdams, you know, I think <clears throat> she ended up being nominated because she was the sole lead female in Spotlight, which uh, which is a bit of a, a shame uh, that it's not really giving its due credit. It's hard in the category like this because it was such a quiet performance by her, but it's a turn that I like, and I never was crazy about her before, but if she turns in more performances like this, I'll, I'll definitely be a big fan of her going forward. Um, I wasn't as crazy about the Kate Winslet performance, or Steve Jobs in general, even though Winslet is one of my favorite actresses. Um, so if, if Vikander doesn't win it, I'd like to see Mara come back, but uh, I want and think Vikander will win. That those are some very good reasons, and I will, you know, support um, both Winslet and Vikander along with Rachel McAdams when it's my turn. But um, Dasha, I remember you were very perplexed when we recorded this the first time. Are you more settled on who you think is going to win this time? I am. I am. Uh, I actually think. You know, wait a second. You asked me if I'm more settled on who's going to win. I think I'm more settled on who I want to win. <laughs> well, that, that works too. That works yeah. Too. Actually, that's the whole Oscar, you know, to me, this is like the whole Oscar prediction dilemma. We all start talking about who will win. And then I read too much about what other people say. And then, you know, trends sort of take off. And then, and then it becomes more about like making the correct prediction based on almost statistics in a way, as opposed to, you know, do I vote from the heart? And in that way, sort of set that energy in motion and maybe we'll reach the Oscar gods somewhere and they'll hear me, you know? So it's kind of funny. Like, do you jump on the train or do you, I don't know. Like if I filled out my whole ballot from the heart, I don't, I don't even know what would happen. Maybe I'll try it this year, you know, <laughs> but anyway. We're talking about which Weinstein brother. <laughs> um, but with this category, you know, sp sort of speaking in that theme, I my I think that Kate Winslet really to me is at the heart of Steve Jobs. Not to say that you know the other cast members are not fantastic. Uh, not to say that Steve Jobs himself is not at his best. <laughs> uh, but to me, she once again plays on so many different levels. She's theatrical. She is um, you know when the camera is right in her face. She knows how to tone it down. She, uh, she, she acts without 
I don't know, without really acting the part and you see the truthfulness of that character. And it's, it's, it's not someone who is playing against a complicated character. I think she couldn't, she couldn't make it too complicated because then it becomes sort of unbelievable. And I think she does that in such a nice way. And I think she's, you know, she's obviously loved by the Academy. I think they're not scared. Uh, Maybe they are, but I don't think they're too scared to continue giving love to her when it's deserved. And so I think they will give it to her. And I think actually with Alicia Vikander, I thought she was fantastic in the Danish girl. I mean, when she cried tears, I totally bought it. I bought it. But she also, I don't know if when you act um, with Eddie Redmayne, I don't like, I want to believe that I would cry those tears, you know, like, I don't know if, if you can, he is, I think he does magic. And I think that actually she would be a much more interesting to me. Uh, she would be more interesting in a conversation of best actress for Ex Machina, as we've all been saying. So to me, it's Kate Winslet and I would like her to win. Yeah. Um, I do think Alicia Vikander is going to get her dues eventually. I was, I'm heavily into Swedish films enough to want to actually learn the language, which I've tried a little bit and I've seen her before, like well before she made it big over here and uh, some English speaking films. And I've been rooting for her from the start to at least make her way over here as many Swedish celebrities have. And as soon as she crossed over the big pond, boy, did she really kick everyone's ass. I mean, she's really taken the world by storm. So Without question, she's going to win one day. And this is by far not her last nomination. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it will go to Winslet. Because as you guys were saying about Tom Hardy and The Revenant, I feel like a lot was carried on her shoulders. And if anything, it's even more obvious in this film. Because she's got the the pen and paper. She's running around trying to clean up Steve Jobs' mess until she faces him and said, No, you have to clean this mess, you know a big part of that film is feeling her as the support, the anchor, the boulder, whatever you want to call her. She had the whole film centered around her when you would think the film would be centered around Steve Jobs himself. She carried everything. And as you said, Dasha, she's loved by the Academy. She's only won once, but that could be a possibility as to why she might win again, because they might feel like she's, she's due where credit is due. And Rachel McAdams, I'm glad she got nominated, even though she was never in talks to be the big winner. She was nominated because the whole cast would usually win for Spotlight for the best ensemble. And of course, she was a part of it. I'm just going to give some fellow York University love. I'm so pleased that such a quiet, reactive performance got nominated. One that was Mm -hmm. powerful from the way she listened, the way she would react without speaking to phone conversations, the way her eyes kind of peered to the side of her head when she heard this man basically admitting that he he molested young boys. Everything was quiet. Nothing was jarring or explosive. She just Mm -hmm. was real. And I'm so glad that a performance like this even got recognized. So I'm perfectly content with that. But I do think it's going to be Winslet's year. And it'll easily be Vikander's year in the future. And I don't even think we've seen our best work yet. Now, you were talking, Dasha, about Eddie Redmayne's magic, so I think this is a good a good reason to start talking about it, because I remember last time we had a lot to say about Eddie Redmayne. Um, so here's the best actor category. I think we all have a mutual decision on who's going to win, but let's, let's see if anything's changed. We have Leonardo DiCaprio for Revenant, Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl, 
Matt Damon for The Martian, Brian Cranston as the explosive Trumbo, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs. All right, so Dasha, because you were talking about Eddie Redmayne before, let, let's let's go into your big monologue on why Eddie Redmayne <laughs> is one of our finest actors of our generation, which I totally, to some extent, agree with. <laughs> I feel like just to spite you, I'm not going to go into a big monologue this time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. But actually, it feels a little bit simpler for me than the last time we spoke. And I, uh, you know, what I have to say is that Eddie Redmayne transforms himself. I feel like he is a chameleon in the acting world. He and I, I don't just mean with his emotion and what's you know the way he speaks, what you see in his eyes, but his body is. I, I feel like the man is made of clay. Like he is, he he does things that are you know they're almost awkward and, but in a in a in a way that, I mean in in a way that that's good in a he's got me all, you know, he's got me all hot and bothered clearly in a way that's sort of comfortably uncomfortable. If that again, makes any sense. But to me, I, to be frank, I don't know if the Academy has the balls to number one, give it to him two years in a row. And I don't know if they have the balls to not give it to Leo this year. I think it's Leo's year. I think it's Leo's year because of the life achievement element of it. And I'm sorry if I'm quoting one of you in that sense. Um, and I think it's, you know, at this point, there's just been too much built up around it. So it, it would just be, I don't know if they can cause that tidal wave. <laughs> um, I also will just say that Michael Fassbender to me did a fantastic, fantastic job. And I think he is a potential upset spoiler in this category. Uh, but I think we're all in agreement and, but I'll see if you guys change your mind, but I think generally it seems like we're all in agreement that Leo it will take it home. Yeah. I'll keep it short and sweet, um, with everything else. Um, Eddie Redmayne was terrific. Michael Fassbender was also terrific. I was in big cahoots as to who was going to win between those two, uh, fine performances as great as Cranston and Damon were in their own right. Um, but once I saw the Revenant and I know I, in this, chat specifically i'm in the minority once i saw the revenant i definitely felt like and again i know it's not just this group alone but a lot of people might disagree it's a very divisive film actually not just with how heavy or slow it is but people either think seem to think that this is one of leo's weaker performances and they're not fond of this one winning or they're on my page and i think it's actually one of his best i love the fact that he was able to do so much without doing much at all. He couldn't speak for a good chunk of the film. Most of it was expressed through his his eyes and his gaze. You know, he was on the ground a lot of the, a lot of the time. He couldn't use space to his advantage. He was very he was struck down in many 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 ways. Now, like to set my bias aside, I think he would win simply for the fact that he ticked off virtually every single. This will make you win an Oscar box. Like he was naked. He was paralyzed. He couldn't speak. He was hurt. Every single thing you could do to win an Oscar, he basically did. So, you know, back to my personal preference of the film, I think he did so much with so little. And again, that's either made people think that this was one of his best performances. You really felt his pain and you felt the spirit of him exude his body. Or you just thought it wasn't enough and it was kind of just blasé. Now, um, I would like Leo to win. I think he's going to win. but. 
kudos to both Redmayne and Fassbender as well. Two of our finest actors of this newest generation of actors. I think they are both spectacular. And um, I just hope one day Fassbender wins because he's, he is sensational. Now, Dakota, what's on your end of things? <sighs> do I do I have to say stuff? Um, yeah. Um, I... <coughs> I don't think that Eddie Redmayne will win two years in a row, but much like how last year I found that um, Michael Keaton, Birdman was the the better movie, um, but I thought that uh, Eddie Redmayne gave a better performance to the theory of everything. Uh, I, I feel sort of similar this way that the Revenant is on a whole, a better film than the Danish girl. But I think once again, Eddie Redmayne gave a more powerful, uh, more original performance than, than Leo did. Uh, as I say, during the Tom Hardy thing, it's the, we get it. You're cold and trying to live performance that isn't exactly new from leo that said when you're comparing against this category i almost feel this is a bit of a weaker category this year he will win deservingly but i think most people are going to chalk it up to a lifetime achievement award of how could we have missed him so many times um much like how it's sort of frustrating when scorsese finally won for the departed Sure, they definitely overlooked him before, but, you know, The Departed was no slouch of a film. That was um, awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, I, I love that film, but uh, but people look at it as, being, as just being the, oh, they finally gave it to Scorsese after so long sort of thing, mm -hmm. and I feel like it's, it's going to be a similar issue with DiCaprio. Um, Cranston, I thought, was fairly solid, but he overacted through the yelly moments and that kind of turned it off and that script did him no favors at all way too preachy uh matt damon i already forget what that performance was like and <laughs> i wasn't crazy about steve jobs uh michael fassbender i do believe is one of our best working actors uh and he does he he does the best he can in a movie that i'm not crazy about uh but i i, I do agree his time will come and i have a feeling we'll be seeing him uh probably once every other year for the next 20 years as a nominee hopefully because we already missed like a number of years um, without him being nominated, you know, for shame, which he actually should have won that year for. But nonetheless, um, we all no. believe that it's sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to sorry to jump in there and not to defy the the laws of our uh, our roundtable podcast discussion. But I just wanted to say I think it's really funny that you know we're all talking, we all and a lot of other people don't sort of mention the fact that Leo along with a lot of other nominees is also really young in the grand scheme of things. And it's also also has this long career ahead of him. It's just that he's already gotten so much critical acclaim that we feel like he's almost owed and that it's time, but it's amazing for me to think about. It's not like he's, you know, retiring anytime soon. Like I think the guy is going to be acting for as long as he already has been acting. And I think that's always funny that like that hasn't been mentioned too many times. Yeah, it's true because everybody was having this discussion with Peter O'Toole and that guy, like before he passed away, sadly, was last nominated in 06 and he was like 70 or 80 at the time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think he raised a valid point. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, his time will come and he was and he's 41. So, you know what? That's not too shabby. Now, 
somebody's time is also coming, and they're fairly young. In fact, this is their first nomination. But I think we're all in agreement with this performance as well, more, much more strongly so even. Here's our selection for the Best Actress category. We have Kate Blanchett for Carol, Saoirse Ronan for Brooklyn, Charlotte Rampling for 45 Years, Jennifer Lawrence being nominated yet again for Joy, and a bright young face, Brie Larson for Room. Now, who started off last time? Uh, I think Dasha did, so I think uh, this is my turn to start. Uh, oh, it might be mine then, because I go... Guys, don't fight now. <laughs> we're not. We're, we, we, are, we are in agreement. It's all good. But, um, <laughs> damn, I wish I, I went on the whole Brie Larson train just straight through it then, without even checking. But okay, I, I guess I was entitled to do so. Um, yeah, Brie Larson should have been nominated before. Not just for Short Term 12, but, you know, for other work that she's done. But she's had quite the career transition between, you know, the, the pop rock kind of teen music she was exploring, the more family-related performances she's given. But now we've seen some really strong work, and it's not just because of her transformation, but, but she's legitimately, out of this newest wave of actors, which includes actors like Lyles Teller, Shailene Woodley, and anybody of that kind of age and caliber, She's legitimately one of the strongest, if not the strongest, of that group. And in Room, it definitely shows. She took the mental instability from Short Term 12, which was almost like an audition for this film, and completely set it to another level as a caring mother, a struggling young adult, a captive prisoner, and somebody who was both hopeful yet suicidal. An absolutely sensational performance. As you were saying earlier, Dakota... It's unfortunate that Kate Blanchett's kind of gone off the map with Carol because her performance was also insanely strong. Saoirse Ronan was extremely magnetic and charming in Brooklyn. Charlotte Rampling, the art house queen almost, finally getting some sort of recognition for 45 years for her very nuanced performance. And then we have Jennifer Lawrence, which I think did a decent enough job, but in my personal opinion, isn't even in the same caliber as the other performances. But for me, from the beginning, and I've brought this up on the podcast before. I accidentally saw Room a month before it was even at TIFF. I was accidentally sent to the wrong theater. I had to review a film. It wasn't Room, but I ended up seeing Room. And from that early on, a month before it was even at TIFF and anybody was saying anything, I was saying this girl's going to get an Academy Award for this. And I am so glad that it's almost here. And I'm so glad that she's almost about to win it. So um, was I right or was I right, Dakota? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what do you think then? Like, what are, what are some of your sentiments on some of the other nominees? Um, yeah, Brie Larson I, gives such a stunning performance. Um, this, is, this is a pretty strong year, other than uh, me not being overly enthralled with joy. Uh, although Jennifer Lawrence was easily the most watchable part in a otherwise mediocre movie. Um uh, I I think Saoirse Ronan gave a, a stunningly tender performance that, you know, just has so much charm and you don't normally think about when it's a, a best actress winning role, the type that was given. But, but man, oh man, did she ever charm the, the pants off uh, me. Uh, that sounded weird to say. I'm, I'm going to take that back.
<laughs> no, you can't. You She's can't. already fighting between two men, Dakota. Don't give her more problems. I will gladly be her Canadian beau um, <laughs> while she's stuck. We'll, see. we'll see what offices. Stephanie has to say about that. <laughs> uh, now she's going to listen to this and hate me. She was absolutely <laughs> adorable in that movie um, and, and gave a great performance. Uh, Brie Larson gives the more typical Oscar-winning role uh performance and she it she nails it um her ability to uh, how do you even describe it um block out what's going on in her her captive world while at the same time trying to readjust to society afterwards there's just so much going on with that and, and trying to shield her her boy i'm i'm ready to cry just thinking about it um I want it to be a tie between Larson and Ronan, but I believe Larson will win. Now, Dasha, I remember you had a lot to say about this performance as well last time. Do you feel the same way about Larson? I do. I really do. I think um, I actually don't have so much more detailed thought behind it besides the fact that I just thought it was a terrific, outstanding performance. And I think it's also balanced by the fact that the other nominees, incredible as they were, are a slightly easier to, um, it's not overlook or dismiss, but it's they have one or two factors that you can potentially say to mitigate uh, against them, which is, for Kay Blanchett, to me, it's that, to me, she didn't surprise me. I mean, we've seen her with sort of the long looks and, she she can she does a very good job of um being sort of stern but also always sexual in a way and so i think i've seen that Kate Blanchett before and i love Kate Blanchett don't get me wrong she's one of my favorite actresses i've always said that and i think i inherited that from my father um and he, but but nonetheless that stands and then with uh Shirley Ronan she's a sweetheart she's an absolute sweetheart but i just don't know and I don't know if that's enough this time. I think she will continue to be fantastic, but I don't know if it's enough this time to weigh against that heavy hitter in the category. I think I've said that Jennifer Lawrence to me, um, I don't know if it's almost like a fear of not nominating her and she's extremely talented, but I mean, I think there was a lot of performance to choose from this year from films even that are not on here. And uh, I'm not sure if I would have thrown her into this mix. And I told you guys I haven't seen 45 years, so it's hard for me to it's hard for me to weigh in. But I I know how strong I feel about Brie Larson, and so I think I'm going to stick with that one. Sounds good. And uh, before we move on, I just wanted to bring up a point that Dakota had when we recorded this the first time. It's nice to see a performance like Social Ronin, which is not about heavy speeches or you know empathy. But something that's being recognized just for how charming and how suave and just electric it is. So, you know, between that and McAdams, I'm glad with some of the nominations this year with just how kind of different they are. And not everything has to be like this big, over-the-top, dramatic kind of outro to life, you know. But mm -hmm. um, speaking of how the, the way things go in films, uh, we're going to go into our second last category. And one of the biggest we have the big directing category. So um, this one's also quite a revolving door of who would possibly win. 
but let's let's start off with things. Uh, we've got The Revenant, Mad Max Fury Road, The Big Short, Spotlight, and Room. Dakota, you start things off with this. I love the original and unique voice that Adam McKay brought to The Big Short. I think he does a great job. Um shooting a very complex script with people that are not very likable and he 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 has great command over the camera uh his choice of shot selection is absolutely fantastic there's a real energy and life to it that you can't deny that you can't help but get on board right away with and it's a it's a marvelous feat, especially considering what he's done in the past. Be mostly known for his comedy work, his stuff like Anchorman, Step Brothers, and Talladega Nights, and things like that. It's just a, a real great thing that he was able to do. And I, I sincerely hope that he continues making films like this because The Big Short might be my favorite movie of the year. Um, <clears throat> that said. Uh, it really seems like this is the year of the Revenant. Uh, uh, Inyari 2 looks like he's going to win back-to-back Best Director Oscars, uh, which is a, a great feat for him. He he handles the natural settings uh, so beautifully, and everything is photographed so well that you you swear you're you're in it when you're watching it, you know, and I, I was at home when I was watching it and you, and you really felt that you were stuck in the middle of this frozen wasteland and that you were claiming to survive as well. And everything was just so expertly shot. You, you can't get around what he can do with a camera. Um, so he's going to win again and there's going to be no surprise. Yeah. It, it's bizarre because his name wasn't even close to you know the big prize when we when this category is first being discussed, um, Dasha, what do you think? Uh, are you in the same boat? Did you think anybody else was going to take this big prize? Because I remember when we first recorded this, you had somebody else in mind. Yeah, and honestly, I still do. I sort of have three central thoughts around this category, and to me, this is the hardest one actually. Um, to me, I think three things. The first one is that. Room is the smallest landscape. I mean, it is for for so much of the movie, it is a house or a room. And to do that inventively and to create the world that was created for us through the through the camera and room, I think is it's an achievement in itself. It's it was incredible. I think George Miller, in terms of just an achievement for direction, I think Mad Max to me, is the greatest achievement in this category. I mean, it not only takes the beautiful world that The Revenant works with, uh, the sort of the ex- ex- extensive, expansive landscape, but it, it takes, it has to throw sort of magic and fantasy into it as well. And I, 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 I'm really on side with George Miller in mind, and I do think that it looks now that it's going to go to Inaritu. And I don't say that begrudgingly because I don't think he's an incredible director who deserves uh, all of the critical acclaim in the world. It's not because of that, but I do, I, I do think that George Miller should win because of how he was able to reinvent not only uh, the, not only to invent this world, but to reinvent a world that was previously built you know, by him. I think that's, I think that is so cool and so unique. So 
I hope he will win. And I think there's still, uh, there's still a chance, but more and more, my hopes are being shattered <laughs> by you guys too. <laughs> we are so sorry. We are implementing your mind with our communist theories. Oh wait, that's Mark Rylance. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, no, uh, it, it just was a tough category initially because you had McCarthy with Spotlight, which was originally seen as this big front runner to win Best Picture and some other prizes, you know, because you can't just win Best Picture. And this was thought to be perhaps one of the other categories you would win. Um, but then you also had George Miller, as, as you were saying, for Mad Max Fury Road, who does some of the most delicate nitpicking of directing I've ever seen. Like, you can see virtually everything that's going on within the film. And there's like 50 trucks speeding down a wasteland with dust flying everywhere. There's lightning. There's a guy blowing fire out of a guitar. Like, shit's crazy. <laughs> and yet you can still see every single thing that's happening. He does this through the clever editing, through the frame rate changing, the zoom-ins, the cinematography, where he places the actors. Everything was just so calculated so damn well. Having said that, Inuritu's work with um, with The Revenant is also quite powerful. I love the way that you could see what's happening in the foreground and in the background at the same time. The use of the long shots, how grating it is, how heavy and sloth-like, and it, it really feels like you're being tortured as well, which I guess is some of the reasons why some people don't like this film. But some people like me who are insane love it. Um, <laughs> I think he did a beautiful job make, turning something that was hideous and disturbing into something that's, oddly enough, kind of gorgeous. Um, it sucks because I think all of these nominees are actually terrific. Uh, what I was saying uh, in the early recording was that Room's kind of the beast of the Southern Wild of this year. It's not going to win, but it's nice to see a smaller film with you know, like a smaller budget and less to work with kind of being recognized, so I'm glad. But I think it's going to be Inuritu. I would like it between Miller, McCarthy, Inuritu, and Script McKay as well. Big Short was was electric. Um, so yeah, uh, now that we've kind of started talking about the actual films, um, let's go into the final category, which is Best Picture. We have eight nominees this year. Uh, we've briefly talked about all of these to some extent, so let's do it for one last shebang. The nominees for Best Picture are Bridge of Spies, The Big Short, Brooklyn, The Martian, Room, Spotlight, The Revenant, and Mad Max, Fury Road. Dasha, let's wrap things up with you starting everything off. All right. I feel like we could record a separate podcast just for just discussing the best picture nominees you know we could um <laughs> totally uh okay i'm gonna try to keep my comments sort of on point and not let myself get too carried away here but when i look at um the various achievements in a film to me something like a mad max sticks out because it because of the various elements it took to put that kind of movie together what I think it loses on is that when you're creating that world and when you have to pack a lot of drama and action into it, I, I don't want to say the acting becomes slightly more predictable, but nonetheless, it may occasionally feel that way. Uh, and so I think it, 
it gains on a lot of those elements, but the actors aren't so much the focus. And so I think, you know, to me, despite all of its great achievements, I can sort of rule it out. Um, I think I mentioned this last time, but to me, what Bridge of Spies does really well is, and I, you know, I'm not sure who exactly to salute for this, but uh, I guess to the writers, but also Steven Spielberg. But I think something that, and I'm probably more sensitive to this than others being uh, of Russian descent, but I think it takes a conflict between two nations and it presents it very tastefully. I'm used to seeing American films and American media for that matter, uh, that throws Russia into a really harsh, bad light. And I'm not saying it's never deserved, certainly, but uh, I do think that it's easy to make an, an American movie about, you know, a, and make it very one-sided. And so I think that it paints the humans on both sides of this conflict very tastefully. And the fact that they both, both, the, both the sides really believe in their own narrative and their own, uh, their own values and their own missions in the story, you know? And so, I think it does that very well. And I think that's the greatest accomplishment in my mind of Bridge of Spies. My, probably my favorite movie of this year overall with how I felt walking out of it with um, the acting, the direction, the cinematography, et cetera, was actually Brooklyn. I thought it took a, a sweet story, but it was a story that ever, I think a lot of us can identify with in certain ways, um, you know, making hard decisions, uh, learning lessons and learning lessons about, you know, relationships and love and family that are lessons that we all learn fairly universally. And so I think it did a lot with that and it was still imaginative. The acting was terrific. And I walked out of it just having like, you know, feeling a big old yes to everything. Um, I do think as far as a prediction goes, I think it will go to The Revenant, um, maybe because of that number 63 that I still can't quite believe you guessed Andreas, but because the correlation between the uh, the best director and the film is so rarely non-existent that I think there's a high chance that The Revenant will take it. And The Revenant is just like a big, big punch of a movie, you know, on all accounts. So I'm not going to be upset when that happens. I think it was amazing and it was impossible to if you were going to go see one movie this year it probably would have been the revenant you know so i don't think it will be undeserved but um but to me room brooklyn spotlight and mad max surprisingly actually because i'm not a huge action movie girl are all just unbelievable and deserve deserve at least this nod that they're getting yeah, uh, and thanks for reminding me of one of my lifetime achievements, by the way. I'm not going to chug that off anytime soon. Um, <laughs> it's kind of sad if you think about it, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, I love Spotlight. It was one of my favorite films of last year, and I love it, love it, love it, and I was totally rooting for it to win because Spotlight as a film feels like, especially in this category, it feels like the actual Spotlight team. It's like the small team amongst big heavy hitters who are trying to silence it with however loud they're speaking. And it got pretty damn far. Unlike the actual film where, you know, they get hurt in the end. I don't think it's going to end up winning, unfortunately, because it's been winning a lot of Best Picture awards. But you look at the Golden Globes, which, fine, the Revenant won that, whatever. Weirder things have won. But then you look at the BAFTAs, and the Revenant won that as well suddenly things are starting to change. 
it was up until two weeks ago, I was fully into Spotlight winning and maybe George Miller winning for director. But as of as of late, because of how the tides have turned, it looks like The Revenant's going to basically take both big prizes. It's going to win Best Picture as well, which I have no problem with, because out of this category, it's my second favorite just under Spotlight. And I'm all for Mad Max being nominated, because out of any action film, and believe me, I can't stand most action films, that was a sensational ride. Um, I'm glad to see... I've got to see films like Room and The Big Short and Brooklyn getting some love. Um, if I had to switch some things out, it might have been Bridge of Spies and The Martian, but I feel like they got in there because of all the other nominations that they basically ranked up, boost up their spot in um, in the whole competition. But um, I don't think, sadly, I don't think any film has a shot against The Revenant at this point. And unless some crazy stuff happens, like, we have the crash of the year, and it somehow goes to The Martian, despite not winning anything else. Um, yeah, it's pretty much going to be The Revenants. Um, now, why don't you end things off, Dakota? All right. Um, yeah, you guys sort of talked about all of them in really positive ways. Um, as I mentioned before, the, the Big Short is my favorite movie of the year. Uh, I would love to see it win. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to come down to Spotlight or The Revenant. Spotlight, I think, would be, if I was voting, uh, the the next more logical one. Um, but it looks like The Revenant is probably going to win, especially after getting the BAFTA. Uh, it, it just seems like it's going to rack up not a lot of wins, but, but several, whereas if the big short wins... It would only have this in uh, the screenplay, so uh, it makes me super doubtful because normally Best Picture winners win multiple awards. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with I think it's gonna be The Revenant, but I want it to be The Big Short with uh, Spotlight being a very close second to that. So uh, that about wraps it up for the categories. Uh, I think that went really well. Thanks so much for uh, for being our guest, uh, Dasha. No problem, guys. This was such a pleasure. It's so much fun to talk to you. You're both so knowledgeable about film, and I think there are a lot of people who aspire to see all the films, you know, and be able to talk about them in these ways. So thanks for continuing to put this together and. Yeah, I'm excited to see how Sunday all goes down. Yeah, so make sure everyone checks out the show notes on liveandlimbo.com where uh, you'll actually see our predictions for all the categories of who we think will win. Uh, so that way we are all held accountable for when we are invariably <laughs> all completely wrong. <laughs> Matt Damon, really? <laughs> Matt Damon, really, of course. <laughs> Poor Matt yes. Damon, guys. <laughs> I think he's doing just fine. Now, be sure to check in with Live in Limbo on Twitter during the actual Oscars, where we will have live tweets, and the day afterwards, when we will have our our reaction podcast, as Dakota was saying. We're going to have a bunch of stuff in the show notes. And yeah, just join us with as many Oscar-related things as possible. Yeah, so uh, make sure you uh, you follow us on Twitter, at ContraZoomPod, or myself, at DGAPA. Um, Dash, where could people find you if they uh, so wish to do so? I'm on Twitter as at dash dot pere, P-E-R-E. I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't impose my long last name on Twitter. <laughs> 
I'm also on Facebook, uh, and I'm a friendly, friendly neighborhood arts lover. So come find me in my Queen West neighborhood, if you will. <laughs> and Andres, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Fabs. And before we go, I'm going to make a quick plug. If Leo doesn't end up winning, you can play the app for your phone called Leo's Red Carpet Rampage, a very fun game where you as Leo have to race and find an Oscar. It's quite cynical, but it's actually a lot of fun. So if he doesn't win, at least he has that game to his name. <laughs> can you imagine if he didn't win? After all that. I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Uh, it wouldn't be the Revenant. I think he would stay dead after that. I don't think you'd want to act again. <laughs> Maybe not. I will definitely uh, try to find a link and throw that up in the show notes as well. So thank you everyone so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>